0: Hello and welcome to Queer Media Pills, the podcast bringing queer media to your ears one small pill at a time. My name is Mars, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm your host. Today I want to talk about dark academia, which is mostly an aesthetic in the way I've seen it used around the internet lately. But as a Tumblr veteran, to me it's a bit more than that and I think it's very interesting and that's why I want to explore it on its more superficial level as an aesthetic it is uh, this idea of romanticizing, like the name says, academia, so in general like libraries, dusty old books, poetry, ink stained fingers and a lot of tweed jackets to be honest, a lot of tweed jackets, but it is a bit more than that because it really origins as um, literary and like artistic genre or trope. It's a it sort of blends the lines between genre and trope because it definitely does have very specific requirements like for something to be dark academia. They are a bit too specific to just be a genre but also it's less of a specific situation and more of a vibe which I'm not sure can be defin- defined as a trope. So it's like it's sort of this middle gray area and some of the classic uh, pieces of media associated with Dark Academia are The Secret History by Donna Tartt but also Dead Poet Societies and uh, We Were Villains I think. The, it's another novel that is very much Dark Academia vibes. So if you know any of these pieces of media you sort of go, what the aesthetic and the genre are. But to go more into the specific, what I really find interesting is that while the aesthetic tends to be like really basking into this uh, vibe of the pretentious academic from a time gone by that holds this knowledge and blah blah blah, the media that generated this aesthetic is really Heavily critical of academia in general, and exactly of this like fetishization of tradition that then people who are really into the aesthetic of it end up also doing. And I think it's very interesting to figure out where the line is, because, for example, I think uh, *The Secret History* is the one novel that really, really makes everyone come together around. Uh, dark academia and the whole plot is about this group of classical literature students who are like doing this special super elitist course studying latin in latin and the whole plot revolves around the murder and it's meant to really expose this like inner belly of uh, how brutal and animal very privileged people can become in the name of this perceived superiority, you know, of knowing dead languages and the classics that makes them sorta almost distinguish from fellow humans, like they're no longer human. I read the novel when I was in high school and I was doing classics in high school And I was definitely very pretentious myself, hanging out with fellow very pretentious people, where where this holier-than-thou energy was sort of everywhere. So I really see where that comes from, and that criticism really struck deep with me, and I really loved that novel exactly for that criticism of a reality that I saw around me every day. But a lot of that gets completely lost obviously in online communities, and I feel like I might not have introduced enough why this is something that we're talking here about. Like, why is this a queer media pill? Mars, what are you doing? Are you just ploppering about something you like? Yes, that's what I've been doing the whole time, newsflash. But more truly, well, first of all, there is an LGBTQ plus character and I'm saying the whole acronym instead of saying what exactly their identity is, because I don't want to spoil anything, but there is uh, such a character in secret history, and also, more importantly, I think, the community around this aesthetic online tends to be heavily queer, and I think it's something very true that, like we talked about in uh, my episode about Montero a few weeks ago, it is very true that as queer people, we gravitate towards history. And that's very important because it gives us an idea of where we are and the fact that we were always there, you know? And when it comes to classics especially, the classics get often quoted as a proof of why "quote unquote" gay is okay. And the fact that Queer people used to be very accepted in society and now we're not. And of course the situation is more complex than that because the ancients' relationship to sexuality was completely different. And I think something that we often lose perspective about is how sexuality is really a label, gender is really a label. It's a word that we give to a set of behaviors and feelings and social presentation that makes sense because of the culture around us. So when you look at the way the Greeks or the Romans used to express that sexuality, it's not that they were okay with homosexuality the way we intended, it's that their labels for sexuality were different. So some things that we consider queer, and by queer I mean not only LGBTQ+, but also more in general, outside of the box of what's quote-unquote normal simply fell into the box of normality, and some didn't. So it's just- it's just a whole different thing, really. But to get more back to the point, yeah, like, the times gone by are often romanticized especially by white queer people as these different times where we were better off in a way even if we know there was discrimination there's like so heavily romanticized and thinking also about the insane amount of period dramas around lesbians and don't get me wrong I love a period piece like I'm not immune I am absolutely obsessed with Oscar Wilde a bit too much probably to the point that when I was 12 I had already not only read most of what he had written but also the actual documents of his trial. Uh, So like the jury documents and testimonies from some British court, you know? I was like at 12 reading that. So that's definitely something that happens to me and like because of that, to me, reading those were like the first time I saw a recognition of myself in the past and the fact that what I was feeling wasn't completely isolated and weird and uh, alone and uh, unique and monstrous, if that makes sense. So I think it's, it's important to recognize our place in the past but it's also important not to romanticize it too much. And I think it's a very delicate balance to be able to navigate and like I said, with the episode about Montero, it's also very beautiful that we are taking a past, a history that has been often very oppressive and finding our place within it and actually saying, no, 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 I'm gonna take all these signifiers, all these symbols or this aesthetic that has been used against me, because also academia has historically been queer phobic. Personally, doing my own research for like my master's dissertation, I have found so little about transmasculine voices in some very specific fields where it feels, it sounds very normal to me that there would be so much more, there should be so much more, but there isn't. And the reason that is, is that academia is aggressively privileged, aggressively cis, aggressively straight, aggressively white, aggressively male. And as such, there isn't a space yet for us within academia, which then makes sense that we are romanticizing it and imagining our place within it. But while we do that, I think it's important To know that that's sort of a dream, sort of a fantasy, taking these symbols of oppression and making it ours, that very much risks to end up just perpetuating the oppression. One of the purposes of my podcast is also to encourage thinking about these issues in a more complex way. It's like, yes, you can absolutely keep doing what you're doing, you know, if you're into a dark academia. If you're not, you might be interested in it, you might be like, hey, this sounds like a cool aesthetic that I could get into. And this isn't me telling you don't. This is me saying, yes, actually, um, reappropriating this history that's been used against us is very important, and I think it can be very beautiful, and the Dark Academia mood boards on Pinterest definitely are very pretty. Uh, so yes, by all means do that, just while also being aware. Of the potential problems of it, but yeah, this was Dark Academia. I feel like this was a more of a rant than anything else, but that, at this point, that's just how these episodes are. I think I'm gonna try and make like a list of suggestions on my blog of like Dark Academia media that I suggest. Not all of it is gonna have queer representation, but I'm gonna say which ones do, and yeah, I just really, really enjoy academia as an aesthetic and dark academia specifically because dark academia specifically really focuses on the dark stuff like the name suggests so like it's very more, much more aware of the perils and dangers of indulging in academia so I think that's why I really love it and I would love to hear what you think of it so feel free to comment on my social media under this post, if you have thoughts about it, there's uh, at Queer Media Pills on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. I'll see you next week, Friday, 4 pm, as usual, and until then, goodbye.